All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. The schedule is officially out. Don't know why the NBA takes like three days to do it. There's 82 games, not that important, but we now know when the Sixers are going to be playing and against whom. Give you an update on when Ben Simmons will make his return, some highs and lows as well. Also, we'll be talking about LeBron James. He just signed a new extension with the Lakers. It's a two-year deal. Plus, we'll get into some Kevin Durant talk and some general NBA as well but before we jump into things don't forget subscribe to liberty ballers podcast network you can catch us wherever you get your fix whether it's apple Podcasts, spotify you name it we are there of course check us out as well at libertyballers.com joining me one of the guys you see behind the magic at liberty ballers mr dave early dave first off what's going on and how's the offseason been for you oh it's been fun thanks for having me jeff all right, well, let's jump right into the Sixers schedule talk. So now we, we already knew coming into this, obviously James Harden broke the Christmas Day game by himself that they'll be playing in the Garden. So we knew that uh, word leaked that the Sixers are going to be playing the Celtics in their season opener. That's on October 18th. Two days later, their home opener against Giannis and the Bucks. But now we know the entire schedule. So just giving some rundown to you, 22 games on ESPN, ABC, TNT, and then 11 more on NBA TV for the Sixers. Also looking at it, Ben Simmons could play his first game against the Sixers if he's in the lineup. That'll be on November 22nd. That's a TNT matchup as well. Longest homestand, seven games. That's between December 9th and 23rd. That's before, obviously, that Christmas Day matchup in New York. The team also has two five-game road trips. Those are the longest of the season. One of those is right before that seven-game seven game homestand that I just mentioned. And then they got a West Coast road trip in January. Uh, the NBA also put a new wrinkle in. They called it Rivals Week going on from January 24th to the 28th. The Sixers will take on the Nets. Once there, again, the Ben Simmons intrigue will be there. We don't know what the hell is going to happen with Kevin Durant, but... That is obviously TBD. And then they also take on the Nuggets that Saturday. That's an ABC game on Saturday the 28th, obviously with the Jokic MVP and best big man in the league kind of rivalry there. And then the toughest stretch of the schedule day for me is the final 12, where all their opponents will be against playoff teams from last season, including a road trip where they play the Warriors, Suns, and Nuggets in a row. Uh, also games against the Bucks, Celtics, Heat, and Nets. Uh, in that stretch again we don't know how good the nets will be depending on that kd situation but looking at the entire schedule for you dave what kind of stood out and is there anything you noticed there that i might not have mentioned there in the intro uh the very first thing that i noticed uh other than when when do they have ben simmons which you ran which you talked about is how tough the start might be um beyond at boston milwaukee i mean then they're at toronto twice They've got the second of a back-to-back at Chicago. And so, you know, we'll learn pretty quickly if anyone is going to get a load management program. I don't know what the plan is for James Harden with that hamstring or just keeping guys fresh in and out, you know, guys like P.J. Tucker who are a little bit older. So there's a world where I'm looking at where, like, Sixers could be really good but just need a little bit of time to gel. You know, how is Maxie going to look? Is he going to play with DeAnthony Melton? Is Melton going to slide into the starting role? where Danny Green was, and will that take some getting used for him playing the small forward position? There's a world where they could open the season like four and eight, even if they're, they wind up being terrific, because there are some tough games, Toronto twice. You mentioned Boston and Milwaukee. Um, then they're at Chicago in the second of a back-to-back. A couple of games against Phoenix and Atlanta and Utah. Uh, we no longer expect to be as good, but definitely could be a rough start, uh, or at least not the start they were hoping for. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I talked about that a couple of days ago on the pod, Dave, the one I did with with Paul. And I noticed that as well. And I go, look, this team, 
has so many new components, right? Obviously, adding PJ Tucker, you mentioned DeAnthony Melton. You you also look at Daniel House. We don't know what Tyrese Maxey, guys like Paul Reed, Charles. But we don't know what's going to happen yet in terms of how things are going to look on the court with this group, and it's going to need time to gel. So I, I'm with you. I wouldn't be I, again. I think the Sixers are too good to maybe start three and eight, four and eight. But I think that reasonably they could you know, maybe start off four and five, five and five, somewhere around there, but it might take them some time to kind of implement all these new moving parts. And then also you got the fact that whatever system doc rivers and his coaches want to implement in terms of offensively, defensively, it is going to take some time, but we'll get to see a little bit of that at camp as well. When you look at the schedule and asides from obviously Ben Simmons returning to Wells Fargo coming up on the 22nd or is slated to play. At least we don't know what his health situation will be like, although for all intents and purposes, looks like he is going to be healthy for opening day. Looking at, at the rest of it, what, what other games are you looking at as, okay, that could be kind of a big one, obviously tough to say in the scope of an 82 game season, but is there anything else that sticks out to you? Cause for me, Dave, I look at it and I'm like, you want to be up for those Boston games, Milwaukee games, Miami games, where again, this team's not going to be judged for how it does in the regular season. Nobody cares if the Sixers go 46 and 36, or if they end up going 65 and 17, it's going to depend on what they do in the playoffs. But we know as things are, and based off what we've seen the last season at least and last two if you include Milwaukee's championship run is Boston Milwaukee still at the top of the pecking order when it comes to the east yeah I'll, I'll have my eye on all of those games and I'll be checking the schedule closely to see if any are on the second of a back-to-back which would be tough that's when we start making those they hate the process jokes so they got Boston <laughs> second of a back-to-back um I'm excited for the two LA games so they've got the Lakers on December 9th on ESPN and then they've got the Clippers before a, a long road trip on the 23rd. So just before the Christmas day game against the Knicks, right? So both of those will be exciting. Uh, in the middle of those is Golden State, and those are all at home. So those are always fun to get, get a Western Conference powerhouse, but at the crib. Yeah, I'm with you on that, too. I, I made sure I looked at those those games against the Dubs because obviously we saw the Sixers beat the Warriors last season at, at home. And, and that was when the Warriors were, were tearing it up before they went on that slump there in, in late December and January. But yeah, uh, Matisse-Steibel game. Yeah, the Matisse-Steibel game. That's right. He was shutting down Steph, making Steph take all those difficult shots. And this was obviously before the Harden trade. So we were like, oh, hey, maybe the Sixers are legit. But again, uh, the Warriors just had the depth. Uh, the Celtics, I feel like, had the depth. And Milwaukee, if they had Middleton, would have had the depth as well to be a, a legit championship contender. And I think that's what the hope is for Daryl Morey and co is adding the guys that they did this offseason is that they now can compete with those teams. And, and you're looking at this right now. When you look at the rest of the NBA schedule, is there anything that turns you off other than the fact that once again, the Lakers are going to have like 34 or 33, I believe it is national TV games, Dave, anything else that throws you off about the rest of the league schedule? Uh, I haven't, I haven't like studied it enough to get strong opinions there. I, I was, in agreement with some people uh, who were whining that the Knicks are always on Christmas and, you know, some of my Knicks fans clapped back and they were like, well, the Detroit lions are always on. That's right. Yeah. And we don't, we don't worry about that. And I'm like, well, that's not good because for so many years, and that's pro- probably not the case this year. Cause I will look forward to a Sixers at the garden Christmas game. Um, it's not like it's the bucks or the Celtics where I'm going to be glued to it and then miss seeing some relatives and talking to the certain uncles or whatever. Um, but I, I don't like the idea of this team always plays on this day because for so many years, it just means one of those games might stink. 
Yeah, the, I'm with you too because I find that in the NFL, you know, as you mentioned, like the Lions are, it's a tradition, right? The Lions are going to be playing. Obviously, the Cowboys, they're the NFL's biggest draw. So they're playing on, on Thanksgiving every year. But I, I'm with you too. I do, I don't mind the tradition of having the Knicks playing because if you look at like the Eastern Conference, you don't have many, uh, like they're amongst the franchises that are considered these historical teams right the Sixers the Knicks the Celtics and obviously you got the star power with the Bucks uh, maybe the Bulls if you look at it although they haven't been that relevant uh, since the MJ days other than when, when Derrick Rose was at his peak so again I, I think it's difficult when you're looking at trying to mix up the the two you know you're trying to have the two conferences and making sure that you have a little bit of balance there and obviously you're not going to have a Pacific team playing at 9 a.m. Um, in, a, in a home game so uh, I, I'm, I don't mind the Knicks playing they're obviously in the, in the biggest market in the in the country although they have stunk for so long now so again I, I don't it doesn't really bother me and I think it's always cool given the rivalry between the two teams and obviously the the proximity of the cities that you're having the Sixers play the Knicks on uh, on Christmas Day yeah I don't mind it this year at all I think it'll be a pretty good game I think uh, Jalen Brunson is not only fun to watch but he will make them better and they might have needed a point guard like him to bring some clunky fitting parts together a little bit better. And we'll see if they wind up with Donovan Mitchell. That game could be really interesting if they do. Dave, I was, I was having this discussion with Paul during the pod on Monday on Christmas day. We, like you said, we know the, we know the, what games the, the NBA will be featuring. And you look at what the NFL is bringing in the, and the NFL again has been this league that shied away from playing on Christmas. Now they're starting to see the value in terms of ratings, in terms of, if you have some big matchups there, people are going to tune in. NFL is always King. That's no secret in terms of ratings. You look at the top 20 broadcasts every year, a majority of them are from the NFL, but you look at the, the, the football slate for that Sunday on, on Christmas, you got Packers dolphins in the, at uh, one, then you got Broncos Rams at four 30. And then you got the Bucks and the Cardinals in the night game. So for you, are you going to be watching, other than obviously we'll be watching Sixers, Knicks, but are you going to be sticking to watching any of the NFL games over the NBA stuff? I guess it'll depend on my fantasy football. (laughs) (laughs) If, uh, I mean, Broncos, Rams, it sounds like it's a really good game. It'll be fun to see Russell Wilson on that team. Um, I haven't seen the overlap with the times yet. But I definitely will be interested in seeing the Rams and the Broncos and then Bucks Cardinals could be a shootout. So that should be really fun. And if there's if there's touchdowns being scored and I've got a couple players in the lineup, I'll definitely flip to football in that spot. Well, I did say this. I do want to watch the uh, the Warriors and the Grizzlies. I, I think that's the best rivalry and it's budding right now in terms of uh, not historically, but the best rival in the NBA in terms of talent and having the two teams in the same conference. Uh, and given the, obviously last season's playoffs, I'm looking forward to that. Although, again, I do think that the Eastern Conference, once again, this year is going to be a bloodbath in the NBA in terms of with Boston, Milwaukee, Philly. And then Miami, again, if it's able to repeat its success from last season, I think that that is going to be really fun to watch at the top of the conference. And in the West, like I said, it's Warriors, Grizzlies. And then I think it's, it's kind of everybody else a step below there. But again, there's so much left to play out. We're talking about the schedule two months ahead of time. So lots of things to play out between now and even as we get towards Christmas time and the end of the regular season. Let's take a short break here, Dave. I want to jump into some other NBA talk, including LeBron James. He signed a two-year deal extension with the Lakers. That'll give him a player option for 24-25. Also some Kevin Durant stuff as well. You wrote a piece for Liberty Ballers that published this morning. It's Wednesday. I uh, wanted to jump into some of the details and get your thoughts on that as well. That'll coming up after a short break. 
All right, and we're back. Uh, Dave, some other breaking news in the NBA, obviously, other than the schedule release. Uh, Woj reporting LeBron extending his time in L.A. Looks like he's going to play out the rest of his career. It depends what happens with Bronny James, I'm sure, at some point down the line. But looks like he'll finish his career with the Lakers. He signed a two-year extension worth $97.1 million. Uh, what did you think of that? Do you think there's any chance LeBron falls off in the next three years? What do you think this means for the Lakers and the rest of the NBA? My first thought was who, I mean, who else has deservedly earned a max contract extension at the two decade mark of being in the league. It's pretty crazy to think like he came into the league with Luke Walton, who's been coaching for years, David West, some of these names like long gone. Um, and he's still, this isn't like a thank you for your service contract that we've seen in years past. This is like, no, no, no. We absolutely need you. You're a key You're a top five player type of contract, which is remarkable. He's such a marvel. That was my first thought. Um, it also eliminates some of the speculation that he was going to try to finish his career in, in Cleveland. Although I guess you could say maybe after this contract, he'd consider going back to play with his, with Bronny or, um, you know, something like that. But uh, yeah, it leaves the Lakers with this question mark still with Russell Westbrook. Does him signing this type of extension mean that he's going to get some input on what happens there? Because if I were him, I would have felt a certain type of way hearing that Rob Polinka and this collaborative front office ownership group doesn't want to offer picks to improve my chances right now. So the other thing I thought of was maybe him signing this says like, all right, I'm going to have some say here. Yeah, that's and that's the way it's been with LeBron, right? For a lot of his time in, in the league, in terms of he's he's guy he's the guy calling the shots, right? If he doesn't want to GM around, he doesn't want to coach around. The chances are likely the owner is going to listen and be able to move on from that. But when you look at the Lakers, they're going to have that cap space next season with with Russell Westbrook either potentially being traded for other parts. Again, they won't have the space that given up his forty four million. But if he's gone, they're obviously going to be an attractive free agent destination. Given the fact it's the Lakers, given the fact it's L.A. and historically always been kind of one of the go to places for the big name stars in the NBA. But when you look at the Lakers title chances, Anthony Davis, obviously, you know, a, a huge talent, hasn't been able to stay healthy the last couple of seasons um, really killed any chance the Lakers had at making noise in the playoffs after they won the bubble championship in 2020, but he's going to turn 30 next season. Like when you look at their title chances, do you think they're still going to be relevant? The Lakers will be in terms of winning a championship during LeBron's stay there. If he opts in for 24, 25. So for the next three years, or do you think we've kind of seen the end of that? And this is the twilight LeBron's career that we're going to see him kind of ride off into the sunset. It's really hard to say, and like you said, it's the Lakers, and there's a certain amount of appeal there. When we felt like Kyrie Irving was going to be on the move, I think the fact that the Lakers were one of the only teams reportedly interested was in large part because that's the only team Kyrie wanted to play for, right? You know, if if you felt Kyrie Irving is going to play for my club if I trade for him and maybe sign an extension, yeah, then I'll I'll come up and make a bigger offer. But if Kyrie's saying I'll go here, otherwise I'm not playing anywhere, that's a that's a huge stay away warning. If they could get a guy like him, and that looks a lot murkier than it did earlier this summer, then 100% they'll be in that on that short list for title contention. But as is, it's pretty tricky. They're going to be keeping their eye closely on what happens in Utah. Can they get a couple of those veterans? If Donovan Mitchell goes to a team like the Knicks, can they get in on a couple of Pat Beverly? Jordan Clarkson, Bogdanovich, Morris. Could they talk to a team like Indiana for a Buddy Heald? In which case, 
It'll be a little bit more of a fringe contender, but all it takes is that one guy who says, I want to be a Laker. And then like, we're having brand new conversations about them being a top four or five team. And we experienced that earlier in the summer with Kyrie. So you never know with them. Yeah. And that's the, that's always the variable, right. With, with the Lakers, obviously going back to the days where, you know, Shaq signed in the, in the 96, you know, was moving over to the moving over there and, and, and signing on with that team. Obviously we've seen LeBron trying to work his way there. We saw Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, all these big names yeah. at some point of their career, try and make their way out West. So again, it wouldn't surprise me as well if one of those types of guys ends up saying it. But uh, before we jump into some KD talk here, Dave, I want to ask you this, like looking at, at the lay of the land in the NBA, right. And I, we're old enough to remember when Jordan's bulls were dominant we knew they were going to be there. Then you had the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. And obviously the Spurs were a team for many years that were always in the championship picture. And then as we got into, you know, since about 2015, we knew it was going to be Warriors Cavs Warriors. And we saw that four straight years as well. And also with the Warriors losing to the Raptors in 2019, still a source point, obviously for Sixers fans, given what happened in in that series. How against, dare against you? Toronto. I know, I know, but um, you know, looking at it, now with the parody in the NBA, and that's one thing that obviously keeps the NFL atop the food chain when it comes to the major sports is you never know what's going to happen. And I, I kind of like the way things are shifting around the league where you look at last season in the, in the Eastern Conference, you had four teams within two games of each other. You know, the Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers ended up tying for the two seed. Obviously, tiebreakers played out, which wound up with Philly being fourth. But you look at the parody around there. Now, those four teams that I mentioned in the East are going to be very good. Again, don't know what's going to happen with KD at this point, but let's say the Cleveland Cavaliers take a leap with Darius Garland and Evan Mobley staying healthy. Maybe, you know, the Brooklyn Nets with, with Kevin Durant, like I said, end up being healthy and, and really good. Scotty Barnes can take a leap. And then you look at the West, you got the defending champion Warriors. You got Luka Doncic probably taking a step. The Nuggets getting healthy. Memphis going to have John Morant back and, and being a year older for the Grizzlies. Phoenix still has a lot to prove. The Clippers going to have... Kawhi Leonard, Paul George back in the lineup. The Lakers obviously just having LeBron and AD don't have a ton of depth, but you look around the parody of around the NBA, like how do you find it as a, as not only a guy who covers the league, but as a fan in terms of not knowing what the hell is going to happen this season? Yeah, I, I mostly I hate when there's a super team. I mean, I would love one on the Sixers because I root for them, but I hate it when there's like a KD on the Warriors type of situation. Uh, I, I really didn't like when the Nets were so good because it was like oh they're gonna have these three stars katie Kyrie, and harden right aligning with the process is peak and joel and beats prime so I, I much prefer this i was very excited when Kawhi preferred the clippers to the lakers because i didn't want to see you know him get to assemble a super team with mm -hmm. the lakers more parity is good there are let's see if i look on one of our friends from DraftKings, one two three four there's five teams right now with Single-digit title odds, basically 9-1 or better. And then after that, you got teams like that you and I would agree have a very realistic chance to win and crack that, like the, like the Lakers if they make a trade, like the Heat, like the Sixers, like the Nets, and like the Denver Nuggets, depending on their injury situation and how people look by the end of the year. So you can't say this team is definitely going to do something right now. And if you tried saying that the last couple of years, it didn't work out either because – I thought the Nets would meet the Clippers a couple of years ago, and then it was the Bucks and the Suns. 
Do you think the Sixers are getting enough respect from odd makers, odds makers, Dave? Because you, you look at that too, like the Sixers at plus 1,500. The Lakers just get a lot of money bet on them. That's why they're always amongst the favorites, especially with LeBron and, and, and AD there. I don't think they deserve to be, but they're at plus 1,600. So right there with the Sixers, Brooklyn still a little bit ahead, although that is going to change likely um, once. And I, I do believe once Kevin Durant is traded, but you got Miami a little bit ahead. The Bucks at basically, you know, two times more favorites than, than the Sixers at plus 750 and the Celtics, the overall favorite at plus 450. Do you think the odds makers are getting that kind of wrong? Cause to me, I do think the Sixers are like right there. It's going to depend. Like you talked about how things go and how they gel and the chemistry they're able to build up. But I, I do think they're a little bit better than what the Vegas odds makers are showing them to be right now. Yeah. Before Kevin Durant asked for his trade request, the nets were, substantially higher than the Sixers. And I found that surprising. Maybe Vegas would say, you know, they, they came into Philadelphia and they blew them out and they're now adding Ben Simmons and a couple other healthy players like Joe Harris. And so they deserve to be seen as better than the Sixers. But I thought I was taken aback by that. So I felt like them even now being neck and neck with the nets per Vegas is a little bit surprising to me. Um, but in terms of what you said, I agree. I hadn't really thought about it. But when I think like twice as long as the Bucks, that doesn't seem fair. I don't think the Bucks have twice as good of a shot. I understand why they're favored ahead. I've got Giannis. He's the number one pick up the board on our Liberty Ballers top 100 draft. I get it. They've got two other legitimate, you know, all-star caliber players who have done it before. The Sixers have a little bit more to show me. And a lot of it will depend on James Harden and how he looks. But if you see James Harden look like, a healthier version, then that's going to look a lot slimmer really quickly. Yeah, I'm with you. And I'm excited to see how much he's been able to not improve. Cause I think it's hard to say for a guy who's turning 33 and, and you know what I mean is, is going to be able to um, overall really improve, but just getting back to his health. I, I don't know if he's ever going to be the same athlete as he was in Houston, but seeing him look a little bit more, in shape, seeing him look a little bit leaner. I'm excited to see what, what Harden's able to bring as well. Dave, let's wrap, wrap up on this. I want to get into some KD talk, and you did a little roundup for us at Liberty Ballers, like I mentioned this morning. Uh, when you look at all of this hoopla going around him, and again, thank you, Kevin Durant, for being who you are because you've given us so much content to cover <laughs> during the dog days of the NBA offseason. But um, looking at this right now, and Ian Begley had mentioned this, the Sixers, we're a potential destination for him. Don't know how far talks have gotten. Nothing imminent, obviously, on that front. But when you look at this whole thing with KD, where do you think he's going to end up? And you covered the Nets a little bit for clutch points last season. Ultimately, how realistic is it, do you think, that there's a chance that he does end up somehow staying in Brooklyn? Because Joe Sy, Sean Marks, they can draw their line in the sand, too, and say, hey, homie, you got four years left on your deal you're not going anywhere. And if Kevin Durant wants to sit out, he can sit out, but he did see the Ben Simmons playbook, which is I'm just going to be a distraction all the time. The team's going to have to move me eventually anyways. So where do you sit on all this stuff? And given the in-depth piece that you wrote this morning as well, like knowing the information that you have, how are you feeling about all this? I think there's a very realistic, if not likely situation where they want to run it back. And even if it's awkward, and then they will be testing whether or not Kevin is willing to, you know, not go to training camp. I think he had a little bit of a back and forth with Tommy beer on Twitter yesterday. And Tommy mm -hmm. was kind of joking, like, you know, if you're saying that players shouldn't be, you know, you, you are 
owed only what you get paid to do, which I think he was hinting, like, are you going to try to do what Ben Simmons did and not play, but maybe want to get paid anyway? And Kevin kind of played dumb, in my opinion, and said, like, well, I don't know if there's going to be a lockout or not. To me, that implied I'm not going to not play. Like, I want to play. He's already shot down the rumor that he would retire. If I'm Joe Sy and I don't have to trade Kevin Durant, I can't get Brandon Ingram, Zion, maybe Jalen Brown and Robert Williams or Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and picks. If I can't get a guy like Scotty Barnes or Donovan Mitchell, then I think I'm just going to try riding it out. And I want to see how it looks like I have a really good roster. Maybe the maybe the best since James Harden was here. I don't think they're quite that good like the 2021 team. Um, but they're good. And a lot of that will depend on Ben Simmons. So I would ride it out if I were in their shoes and no one's blowing me away. I want to see how it looks. And I'm willing to go into to January to see. When it comes to the dynamic with the Sixers and KD, Dave, you mentioned this as well, that Tyrese Maxey would almost 100% certainly have to be included in a deal for Kevin Durant. Tobias Harris, another likely guy that would be included there, just given the the reasons for the salaries, and then Matisse Thybulle, George Niang might be another young guy. Isaiah Joe, you know Joe, uh, Charles Bassey, Paul Reed doesn't really matter who it's going to be. They're going to have to give up a ton of pieces to make that deal. But how realistic do you think is that the Sixers could land him, and and that the Nets would maybe explore that? And you mentioned this as well that KD would likely have to leverage his way to Philly and say, that's the only place I want to go. So from zero to hundred, what percentage do you give the Sixers a chance to land KD at this point? Oh man. Um, two and a half. Wow. Okay. So like nothing, <laughs> like nothing there. I mean, it's not nothing, nothing. Like it's, if we were talking lottery odds, teams have gotten the first pick with 1.7. So I think it's very, very low, but um, let's see. What does Vegas say? Two, 20 to one, basically. So what's one divided by 21? Oh, I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> how the hell, how, come on, Dave. What am I like a mathematician? How am I going to know what the hell one divided by 21 is? <laughs> it's it's, it's 4.7%. So a little higher okay. than I went. Let's say, let's say one out of 25%. Okay. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I would say maybe, maybe seven, 8% somewhere around there. I'd give him a little bit more just because I do think there's some smoke to the fire that he might want to end up in Philly, especially as if Boston might be hesitant. We've heard the, the Celtics are completely willing to part with Jalen Brown, an all-star in the prime of his career. But you did mention some issues with that potential package involving Boston, given the fact of, of Brown's uncertain status. Uh, what were you talking about there when you wrote about at Liberty Ballers? And just give the details of why you think the Nets might have a little bit of hesitation to make that deal. Yeah, I think the reason that the Celtics are even offering him is because he's a free agent after 2024. If I'm his agent, I'm advising him, um, don't take a, a multi-year deal that summer anyway, because there's going to be this massive cap spike. So you're acquiring Jalen Brown. And he, first of all, he's saying, I want to be in Boston. So he might be telling you behind the scenes, don't trade for me. I don't know that I can, I'm going to commit to you long-term. One of those years, you have to ask yourself, do we want to trade Kyrie Irving for picks? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, do they not get along in Boston back in the day? Or do you let risk Kyrie's gone? So now two of your years, you may not have Kyrie playing along with him. And so if you're talking about having Tyrese Maxey for like likely seven to eight seasons, because the chances that a rookie is going to say, no, I don't want your five-year deal when you're offering it is just not very high, right? There's been a handful of guys in history who have said no to that, to leave. And I, I don't know that Tyrese Maxey is one of those guys. I wouldn't bet on it. So I, if I'm Boston, 
I mean, if I'm the Nets, I'm really looking closely at Tyrese Maxey. The problems are different than that. It's like I also have to take Tobias Harris. What if I could get a guy like Scotty Barnes? What other offers are there out there? Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, and my number from 2.54% would go up and up and up as we start playing out into the year. And a guy like Jalen Brown is off the table for whatever reason. Maybe one team doesn't want to move him or one team doesn't want to acquire him. If Brandon Ingram, we're already hearing, like they want to see how that looks, in which case the Sixers offer looks pretty good. You could make that 2027 they already own unprotected, I think. Then you could make the 2029 unprotected. And maybe the Sixers won't be that good in that far out. And those picks are pretty good. Yeah. And again, that's the other wrinkle to all this is the fact that the Sixers can't trade a first round pick till like 2057 right Dave so that doesn't make it any easier <laughs> in order to try and get uh, Kevin Durant we'll wrap up on this man you've, you've like I said you've done a great job uh, covering the Sixers for us at Liberty Ballers you do did a great job covering the Nets last season with clutch points when you look at your one team it could be Brooklyn as well where do you think Kevin Durant ends up next season well thanks for the kind words I think he's going to stay put wow okay and that's your ultimate prediction ultimate prediction yes Okay. If, he, that, if he's traded, if he's traded, if you told me he definitely was, it's green. It's Boston. I'm with you. I was just going to say that too. I think if he does end up getting moved, hard to say no to a package involving Jalen Brown and a bunch of picks, and you can get some some good role players there as well. Like Grant Williams, you can maybe you know get a Derek White, whatever it is. And by all intents and purposes, what we're hearing, Joe Sy still wants to be competitive next season. Obviously, has Ben Simmons, still has Kyrie Irving on the roster. So and he doesn't not, have his own picks. Houston yeah, has, yeah, right? and they're 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 so. stuck there too. So I mean, again, doesn't make any sense to tear it down when you're not going to have any first round picks for the next four or five years. Uh, Dave, let's wrap things up there. I want to thank you for joining me. Uh, going to be appearing on the podcast network, although you do frequently already. We know you're going to have a bit of a set schedule next season, so we're looking forward to having you join us on the Liberty Ballers podcast network on a full-time weekly basis, even though you basically been doing that as well. Yeah, very excited for that. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Before we wrap things up, as always, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Appreciate a five-star review if you're inclined to give us one. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. <laughs>